In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about how bad day predictions mean you're getting murdered. Death by forklift. 90s hacker skills. Swimming with your arms. And that chandlers make candles in our discussion of Horrorscope by Nicholas Adams. <laughs> oh, thank you for the indulgence. <laughs> everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Horoscope by Nicholas Adams. Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, honestly, it's understandable not surprised, not surprised if you haven't read this book. <laughs> Please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read it and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read the book, then come back. If you haven't done this, if you can find it, you. if you can find the book, <laughs> or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, which you obviously do because you're still here, then listen up. <laughs> <sighs> You know, it's kind of good that we're talking about this book since background info, apparently it's in post-production as a film. What? I know. Featuring what? Jacob Badalon, aka Ned from Spider-Man? Like, why this one? <gasps> why did we pick this one to make a movie out of? Because it's one of the greatest YA 90s horror books of all time and is completely underrated. It's true. It was very, very good. But the movie's going to be a little bit different. And oh, so it started. It's not going to be called Jeff. <laughs> I don't know. It started production, um, or they, they got the rights to it in 2020, and it started production in late or in the middle of 2022, and it was post-production at the end of 2022. So, like, it's got to be happening sometime soon. So it's perfect that we're making this episode. It's oh my god. Perfect. However, oh the storyline is a little bit different in the oh. movie. Yeah. Um, it is described as a group of college friends that begin dying in ways connected to their fortunes after getting their horoscopes read. So we're okay. not... We'll have to come back to it. We'll have to come back and discuss mm. the differences. Definitely. But yeah. Oh my god. I know. I was I'm looking, so excited. I was looking for background information yesterday and I thought, oh my gosh... Claire is going to flip out. Yeah. I can't believe it. Do you know how long this book has been in my life? I mean, your entire life. Almost. Pretty much. Oh my god, I cannot believe it. Oh my god, I'm on IMDb. I'm so freaking excited. It's even called Horoscope. I know, it's even called Horoscope. <laughs> It's just wonderful. So <laughs> it's probably not going to be ultra 90s, though, which will be sad. That will be very sad. Oh, my God. I'm so excited because it even says it's based on that book as well. I know. The devil is going to be in it. 
The Countess. Yeah, I'm not... <sighs> Astrologer? What the heck? Yeah, I'm not sure about the devil. Unless Give they're... Give character names! Tell me more! Yeah, unless they're, like, getting their fortunes read in a very fantastical way. And these are fortune-telling characters. I don't know. I don't know, Claire. We'll just have to see. I, I cannot wait. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. I knew you would be excited <laughs> since this is your favorite early teen <laughs> slash childhood slash all of your teenage years book. I knew you were going to be yeah. excited. Oh my god. I can't. I can't even. Do you know what? I bet none of the actors are even old enough. I bet none of them were, none of them were born when this book was out. Oh, probably not. Unless there are, you know, grown-up characters. Grown-up adults. I, I'm just going to go in the corner and wither. Yes. But with a happy smile on my face, because I'm going to get a horoscope movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> you might have, like, a tear happening right now. 12-year-old Claire is buzzing. <laughs> it's fantastic. Right, okay. It's fantastic. Right, I'm back. Okay. Well, I just want you to know that my initial thoughts are that I was really excited to read this one knowing that it was one of your favorites when you were small. And I was Aww. not disappointed. It's just so... Hand yeah. gesture of your choice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Shall we begin? Yes. From the shadow of a large elm tree, the would-be killer watches a couple in a parked car. Subconsciously, they twist the cheap red and white scarf over and over in their hands. High schoolers Derek and Jenny are arguing. Derek wants Jenny to attend a church service because his mother is pressuring him to find a nice church girl. Totally thought that was a different thing that he was pressuring her into, by the way. Oh, completely. Totally. <laughs> Jenny doesn't agree with organized religion and stands by her principles, refusing to go and refusing to speak to Derek until he cuts the apron strings. <sighs> her horoscope said today was going to be bad. Jenny climbs out of the car, intending to walk home, but her day gets worse when the killer steps out and strangles her with the scarf. They don't get the sense of euphoria that they were expecting, but maybe next time. Before they leave Jenny's lifeless body, they pose her and take pictures. Robin Chantry is getting ready for school. She defies high school convention with her flowing lemon skirt, preferring personal style than conformity. As she heads out to her mother waiting in the car, she passes her father, who is busy at work making ornate artistic candles. He's got a couple of special orders, including a Vlad the Impaler. Yes. Oh, yes. But he's currently working on samples for the Society of Creative Anachronism event this weekend. Robin loves those events, dressing in costume and pretending to live in the Middle Ages. <laughs> Loosely 
pretending to be in the loose middle ages yes. of some fictional fantasy. Yes, the <laughs> middle ages. Middle ages. On the way to school, Robin and her mom pick up Robin's friend Debbie, whose parents are very conservative and place a lot of importance on appearance. They talk about their horoscopes for the day. Debbie's is looking good, but Robin is going to have a difficult afternoon. Robin's mom says she places more faith in tarot than in the stars. At school, Robin has a meeting with their science teacher, so she passes Debbie her column for the newspaper to hand in. Robin writes the horoscopes for the school newspaper under the pseudonym Jean Stevenson. Which is the most boring and non-mystical name probably ever. Yeah. Yeah. Once inside the uniform red brick box of boredom, Robin and Debbie head to meet the rest of their friend group, Dana and Natalie. They're both looking pretty somber. In fact, everyone is, and Natalie looks like she's been crying. Natalie tells them Jenny is dead, and the police think that Derek did it. Sheriff Adkins questions Derek about the previous night with Jenny. He's obviously suspicious of Derek since he's the boyfriend and they argued. And frankly, Derek does not do himself any favours being all defensive and saying it was a school newspaper horoscope writer that should be blamed. It's a bit of a reach. (laughs) Jenny believed that garbage and was looking for a fight with his mom about religion based on her horoscope for the day. Honestly, he believes the column is evil. (laughs) Meanwhile, Robin is being lectured by her science teacher about her poor grades and shoddy, flaky essays, which he just can't take anymore. The only way she can pass is to team up with super nerd Jeff Goldstein in their science fair project. Ugh, no! Outside, Debbie, Dana, and Natalie offer condolences, and of course, Jeff hears their less-than-complimentary comments. This isn't great news for Jeff, either, but he's willing to work with Robin, and they arrange to meet later in the computer lab. Once Jeff walks off, Derek comes storming over. He knows one of the four girls is behind the newspaper horoscope, and when he finds out who it is, he'll make them pay for Jenny's murder. Yeah, you don't sound like a murderer at all, Derek. I'm going to make you pay. Has anger management issues. Jeff is annoyed with himself for letting Robin and her friends fluster him. His annoyance is made worse by his best friend Alan teasing him about how gorgeous Robin is and how he should ask her out. Their friendly ribbing is interrupted by Derek knocking into Alan, spouting some racist crap, and Alan putting him in his place. Alan can't stand bullies like Derek. Alan can't let bullies like Derek get to him. He's got a trial for the basketball team later to concentrate on. After school, Jeff and Robin meet in the computer room. Jeff has a list of potential projects on his floppy disk. (laughs) Oh, that dates this. Mm. And Robin calls them all boring and uncreative. (laughs) She's into the stars and fortune-telling which Jeff points out isn't real science. They get into a debate for a while, but ultimately don't come up with any project plans. Robin keeps shooting down Jeff's ideas, and actually she's not coming up with any of her own. Nope, come she's on, Robin. literally not even trying. No, she's not. 
and it's annoying. <sighs> a week later, the killer is waiting in the shadows for his next victim. They've got a new knife, and it's a thing of beauty that fits their hand to perfection. They can't wait to use it. Alan is walking to his girlfriend's house. He's in a great mood. Not only did he get on the basketball team, but he bumped Derek off. His girlfriend being murdered aside, Derek's performance of late has been terrible. So the coach booted him from his first string place. A person steps out from the shadows, and Alan greets them as the killer plunges the blade into his chest. Alan falls to the ground into the perfect position for a couple of photographs. The next morning, Robin makes a mad dash for her mom's car, only briefly saying good morning to her dad, who was struggling with the Vlad the Impaler piece. It's too violent for his sensibilities, apparently. Again, Robin and her mom pick up Debbie on the way to school before meeting with Dana and Natalie. Natalie's locker won't open, so the custodian, Joe Butler, is there trying to fix it. Natalie is horrible to Joe, who rightly points out a little politeness isn't too much to ask when he's trying to fix her problem. Good on you, Joe. Robin and her friends notice Sheriff Adkins is back in the school, and as Joe successfully opens Natalie's locker, he tells them that Alan was brutally murdered the previous night. <gasps> Ooh. Poor Alan. Sheriff Adkins talks to Derek again. He's not saying that Derek isn't his number one suspect, but he isn't not saying that either. Derek argued with Jenny the night of her murder and was known to have a contentious relationship with Alan, especially as Alan replaced him on the basketball team. Derek protests and again suggests that it's the school newspaper horoscopes. And I think I said horoscopes. It's the school newspaper horoscopes and their author, Gene Stevenson, must have something to do with it. Sheriff Atkins takes more notes of Derek's wild accusations and says he'll look into it. Derek, on the other hand, knows horoscopes are evil and will make someone pay for it. <laughs> Not Jean Stevenson, she's too exotic. (laughs) (laughs) When Robin and Jeff meet up in the computer room later, Jeff is rightly distracted and upset by his best friend's murder. To just take his mind off Alan, Robin makes him concentrate on the science fair project, and again they talk about astrology not being a real science. To prove that it is, Robin puts together a personal reading for Jeff based on the date, time and place of his birth. There was a lot of math and conversions involved, which Robin hates doing, but the reading seems pretty spot on. This gives Jeff an idea for their science fair project. They can build a computer program to do the calculations involved in the readings, leaving more time and energy for the interpretation. Perfect. Is it though? (laughs) Is it though? It's no volcano. Oh, it's no potato light. No, not at all. As Robin and Jeff are starting to work on their project, Sheriff Adkins comes in and asks to talk to Robin. He found out as part of his investigation that she is Jean Stevenson. (gasps) Oh my god, but Jean Stevenson, she's so mystical. (laughs) 
he asks about the school newspaper horoscope and how it seems strange that she predicted the murders. Did she, though? Did she? A bad day does not necessarily equal murder. I have never committed murder on the days that I've been feeling bad, like, bad. And I've never been murdered on bad days. Right. I don't know. I'm just not... I'm not, not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Mm. The sheriff then shows Robin a picture of the scarf, which she doesn't recognize. Then he shows her a picture of the knife, which she does recognize. <gasps> oh my it's God. her father's bespoke blacksmith costume knife. <gasps> well, now. The sheriff takes Robin home with Jeff following along. Robin's dad is there and at the entrance wakes him from a nap. He checks that his knife is still in the costume cupboard in his workroom. But it isn't. (gasps) (gasps) Mr. Chantry has had loads of clients and other people coming in and out. And as the cupboard isn't locked, anyone, anyone could have taken it. While Mr. Chantry heads to the police station to formally identify the knife, Jeff volunteers to stay with Robin. Once they're alone, Robin tells Jeff something that occurred to her as the sheriff was talking. Jenny was an Aries, the ram, killed with a woolen scarf. Alan was a Taurus, the bull, whose murder looked like he'd been gored. There are going to be at least ten more murders, and the next sign of the Zodiac is... Gemini. Oh no! If only we could do a science fair project to figure out who's next. Science. <laughs> Later. Science saves the day. Later, Robin gets into a fight with Natalie over past lives, teen terror theories, and not like liking Jeff, which ends with Robin walking away. Debbie goes with her, but continues the pestering about not like liking Jeff. However, Debbie gives her a reason for her worrying about Robin like liking Jeff. His mother went crazy and went at his dad with a knife when he was seven. His father left town and has never been seen since. (gasps) Mysterious. That night, Natalie is in her bedroom. Below, she can hear her father's slurred voice and stumbling around. And knows it's going to get worse. Trigger warning, mentions of alcoholism and domestic abuse. Turn away for the next 20 seconds. Since her dad lost his job three weeks earlier, his drinking has increased to extreme levels and he has started abusing her mom. Natalie starts crying as she can't help but hear the abuse start. It's not nice, this scene. No, it's not. Outside, the killer watches and waits for the diversion to start. He's carefully watched Natalie since he decided she would be next. Breaking into the house through a side door, he confronts Natalie in her room. He uses a coil of wire to strangle her before draping her corpse over the full-length mirror. Natalie's parents hear a thump from her room and dash upstairs. They're too late to save their daughter, but as her father falls in a drunken stupor, 
he sees the fuzzy shape of a figure with something in their hands. Before he blacks out, he sees a flash. <gasps> the next morning before school, Jeff is watching the news. There's a broadcast announcing Natalie's murder by the Teen Terror. He calls Robin and gives her mom the news. A crying Robin calls back and arranges to meet him at school outside her locker. Jeff gets to school early and Jewel catches him beside Robin's locker. He's suspicious of Jeff and protective of Robin, even when she arrives with Debbie in tow and tells the custodian she arranged to meet him. They talk about the murders and the potential Zodiac link. Their suspicions are a stretch, but they have something with their theories. Jeff asks Robin and Debbie to come to his house after school to look into it further. Mm. Nobody goes to Jeff's house. Nobody ever goes to Jeff's house. At the end of the school day, Robin and Debbie head to the lockers to meet Jeff. They run into Joe, who warns them against Jeff. He says he knew Jeff's father, who was a bad sort, and you know what they say, like father, like son. On the walk to Jeff's house, Jeff explains his home life. When he was young, his father hit Jeff and his mom a lot. And on the last occasion, he was hit so hard that he got a concussion and his mom thought he was dead. In retaliation and self-defense, she used a knife against his dad and then he threw her across the room. The impact with the wall caused severe brain damage. However, she had stabbed his father who bled out before the police and ambulance came. Secret death. Jeff's mom is wonderful, but she's wary of strangers and is a little disconnected with reality. The story shocks Robin and Debbie and paints a completely different story to the rumors. At Jeff's house, his mom is lovely and makes them a snack. In Jeff's room, they find out how big a computer nerd he is with his gigantic setup. He has a printer. Ooh. And a camera. Ooh. And more than one monitor. He's also got 90s hacker skills. Yes. Jeff gets into the school students' records and does computer magic to find out all the cancer males as they figure the killer is alternating boy-girl. With a list of names in hand, Jeff volunteers to take the information to the sheriff while Robin and Debbie head home. On their walk, Debbie again warns Robin against life-liking Jeff because she thinks his childhood concussion may have had lasting effects on his mind. (gasps) That's not how it works. Oh my. (laughs) Meanwhile, in the sheriff's office, Derek's mom and pastor are hounding the sheriff for his single-minded pursuit of Derek as the murderer. Derek's mom is... Biblically intense. (laughs) And the sheriff boots them out. Jeff walks in as this is happening and tells them that they may all want to hear what he's found out. Jeff relays the Zodiac killer theory and gives the sheriff the list of potential next victims. The sheriff is deeply unimpressed and Derek feels even more strongly that the Zodiac is evil. Evil. On Saturday morning, Robin is helping her mom in the New Age health food store. Robin asks her mom about her dad. She's noticed he isn't as energetic and been taking lots of naps. 
Mrs. Chantry explains it's nothing to worry about, just, you know, some bad migraines. And he's seeing a doctor about it. It'll be fine. Changing the subject, Mrs. Chantry teases her daughter about possibly like liking Jeff. She pulls a tarot card. The lovers. Ooh. Mm. And at this moment, guess who walks into the store? Jeff! <gasps> As Robin is massively embarrassed by her mom trying to interfere with her love life, she stomps off into the stockroom and overhears her mom inviting Jeff to the Society of Creative Anarchism event on Saturday. No! My oh. mom, why? Why? <laughs> the killer is waiting in the shadows of the burger barn where his next victim, Ryan, works. He has his claw-like tool, a small forklift, ready and waiting. Ryan eventually takes the trash out and has to navigate the dark alley by smell since the light is out, probably his annoying manager trying to save a few cents. He doesn't see the forklift until it's too late and it's already starting to crush him. As the killer is taking his photos, Ryan's annoying manager comes out the back door calling for her employee. Grumbling and moaning about Ryan, she thinks she knocks into some garbage he's left out. But it's not garbage. It's Ryan's body. The manager screams and passes out. How do you not notice a forklift? It's a freaking forklift. It's a forklift. You Man. would hear it as well. <laughs> it's not as if in the 90s they had electric forklifts. They <laughs> had silent forklifts. Super sneaky. <laughs> oh. Serious. Somebody, somebody's just died, man. I know, serious. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Huge, like, diesel engine rumbling in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably not, like, well-oiled. You know? <laughs> like, and those things are really slow. <laughs> I know. Why did they just drop? <laughs> no, uh, poor Ryan. R.I.P. Ryan. Just as for Ryan. Robin checks on her dad before school. He's looking better, she thinks, and has been having fewer headaches. As her mom is blasting the car horn, she takes the opportunity to check the news and sees a report on Ryan's murder by the Teen Terror and the new development that the killer seems to be taking pictures of their victims. The phone rings and Robin knows it's Jeff calling to check she's seen the news and he arranged to meet at school. On the drive, Robin explains her Zodiac theory to her mom. Mrs. Chantry isn't pleased that the sheriff dismissed Jeff and the list of potential victims, which seems to have proven to be accurate. She asks Robin to get a new list of female Leos, and she will make sure the sheriff takes it seriously. Especially as Robin will be on that list. (gasps) Gasp! At school, Robin and Debbie 
watch Derek get arrested for the teen terror murders. It happens two minutes after Derek finds out that Robin is Jean Stevenson and accuses her of predicting the murders with her horoscopes. The sheriff produces a court order and makes Joe open Derek's locker. Inside a history textbook are pictures of the victims. Debbie doesn't believe Derek is the teen terror and says that the pictures could have been planted because there were no negatives, and the history textbook was for a class that Derek doesn't take. And then she asks, why would Derek keep the photos in his school locker? That's just dumb. Debbie thinks the person with the expensive camera in their bedroom and computer skills to find student information is the killer. (gasps) Jeff. No. Shocking. Robin, however, doesn't believe it's Jeff and suggests that there are plenty of other suspects who have access to the computerized student records. Robin, Debbie, and Dana realize the records were only digitized a couple of years ago. So Robin checks what happened with the paper copies with Joe. But he says they were thrown into the furnace a long time ago. So Damn. That's gone. Without any solid leads there, Robin suggests that Derek may be onto something with the horoscope predictions for the victims. After checking the old school newspapers, the girls see that each day there was a murder, the star sign was predicted to have a bad day. And Leo is going to have one on Tuesday. Dang it! Robin changes the prediction so that it's much brighter and breezier, which will hopefully help save a life. Persistent to the point of annoying now, Debbie reiterates that she doesn't trust Jeff and tells Robin to avoid him. Yeah, that's going to be difficult because he's coming to the society meeting on Saturdays. Friday morning arrives, and Robin is eager to get to school to check the newspaper, but she has to suffer through her mom singing Jeff's praises along the way. At school, Dana comes running up to Robin and Debbie. The Leo prediction has been altered. (gasps) Your worst nightmare comes true. Positive thinking won't help here. Uh, that's not great. It's also, like, not at all what Robin slash Jean Stevenson wrote. Either time. (laughs) Checking with Miss Tepper as to where the original column is, the bitter teacher says she threw it away and Joe has already burned the papers. Dejected that all their leads are dead ends, the only thing they can do is make wild speculations as to who the teen terror is, call each of them a stretch, which they are, and once again insist that Robin like-likes Jeff, despite her protestations. On their way home, Robin and Debbie stop by the sheriff's office and question him about the investigation. They give him their theory on the teen terror using the school newspaper horoscope column and are summarily dismissed. Is this the before times before teen teen detectives became popular? Yes. You had Nancy Drew. Saturday is the meeting of the Society of Creative Anarchism, and it's Robin's turn to be a serving wench, so she's sporting a low-cut top. Mrs Chantry is her usual fortune teller. Mr Chantry is in his blacksmith costume and his Lord Merchant costume to Jeff. 
The night is fun. Jeff seems to enjoy himself, though he clearly pines for Robin as she's performing her winter duties. As they go to leave, after the entertainment, one of the belly dancers comes over to Jeff and asks him to choose a card from her tarot deck. He pulls the death card. (gasps) Monday morning, Robin and Debbie are talking about the teen terror and how tomorrow is the bad day for a Leo. Jeff looked at the student records and found only four female Leos, including Robin. Debbie suggests Robin sleep over at her house so they can follow Jeff. It will either exonerate him or spotlight his guilt, but either way, they'll know, and Debbie will be with Robin the whole time, so she'll be totally safe. Because Debbie has some sort of weapons training and or bodyguard training and or martial arts training that we don't know about. It's possible. It's it's the 90s. Everybody does taekwondo in the 90s. She probably does taekwondo. Everybody's seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They all know the moves. Yes. And the Karate Kid. Yes, exactly. (laughs) School on Tuesday drags. When Robin and Debbie reach their lockers at the end of the day, Jeff is waiting for them. He wanted to apologise to Robin. He won't be able to call that night as he'll be busy. Debbie instantly sees red flags everywhere. Red flags. So tells Jeff that's okay because Robin is sleeping over at her house so it'll be too much girl talk for science fair projects. On the way out of the school, they bump into Joe. He asks Robin to pass a message on to her dad about his commission. Oh, he's the Vlad the Impaler client. Oh. Unfortunately, Robin is sleeping at Debbie's, so she can't. Oh. At eight that night, dressed in black, Robin and Debbie head out for tacos. They don't have to wait long at Jeff's house to see him leave and head straight for Debbie's house. And then he just goes past it to the school. (laughs) Debbie thinks the school is where he keeps his murder weapons. (laughs) Sneaking inside, they hear Jeff in Joe's basement. So while Debbie goes to the payphone to call the police, Robin stands guard so he can't leave. Robin, however, gets curious and sneaks down the stairs to see what Jeff is doing. It's dastardly. He's looking through boxes. (gasps) The terror of boxes. (laughs) Accidentally snagging her foot, Robin makes a noise which startles Jeff. He dashes forwards, grabs her, and when he realises it's Robin, he lets her go. He's hurt that she thinks he's the teen terror, but Robin apologises and said, no, she doesn't, but Debbie does, and she wants to prove her wrong. This makes Jeff very happy, and he kisses her. <gasps> At last. Freaking last. During her pre-kiss explanation, Robin mentioned tonight of all nights, which confuses Jeff, so... She explains the link to the horoscope predictions. Jeff explains he thinks 
Jaw could be the Teen Terror, as he had access to the paper records, has a master key to the lockers, and only had access to old records when hiding the pictures in the history textbook. Ah. Together, they start the search in earnest, but find absolutely nothing. Jeff notices an old carpet, though, and unrolls it. On it is painted the Zodiac, and there are pictures of the victims pinned under their signs. On Leo, there is an envelope, and looking inside, they find a picture of Robin. Ah, damn it. (laughs) She's going to have a bad day. Stunned by their discovery, they don't hear Joe or see him knock Jeff out. Son of a bitch. Damn it. Now he's having a bad day. Oh, no. Oh, no. Bad days all around for everyone. Everyone is going to get murdered. Terrified, Robin tries to persuade Joe not to kill her. It's a stalling tactic until the police get there. Joe confesses that he's had terrible luck in his life and resents all the kids who come through the school and live the life he should have had. Then, one day, he realized he hadn't been neglected. The gods of the Zodiac were waiting for him to do their bidding. He was reading the school newspaper and heard the voice of the prophetess, Jean Stevenson. (gasps) From that moment, he knew he had to kill one person from each Zodiac using a weapon the gods would reveal to him in order to transfer their luck to him. Now, if Robin could just be a pal and lie down in the Zodiac carpet so he can gore her to death with his giant lion claw glove? No? Darn. That's not very friendly, no, is it? It's not at all. Robin reveals that she is the prophetess Jean Stevenson, and killing her would only make the gods of the Zodiac angry. It starts to work until Joe cries that she is just trying to cheat the Zodiac. Again, Robin tries to turn his thoughts against him and says he is actually trying to cheat the Zodiac by killing her and not accepting her correction. That he's the Leo. (gasps) As Joe is distracted, Robin makes a dash for the stairs, but Joe slashes down her back with the claw. Robin starts flinging cleaning supplies at Joe, making the smell of ammonia fill the air. She uses the distraction to try and escape the basement, but Joe has locked the door. From behind her, Robin can hear him shout that she's going to pay for what she's done. The smell of ammonia brings Jeff to, and Joe takes in the new threat and howls with rage. He dashes up the stairs, claws at Robin, who loses her balance and stumbles down the steps. Joe escapes the basement and locks the door behind him, shouting that he has Debbie, who will make a perfect sacrifice. Jeff uses a hammer to break open the basement door, and they dash to the phones. Unfortunately, Debbie isn't there, so they check the boys' restroom as the closest feasible place Joe could have quickly locked Debbie up. Inside, they find Debbie's purse on the floor, contents scattered, but no Debbie. As Debbie's star sign is Aquarius, they figure Joe's going to drown her in the toilets. Or 
take her to the frog lake to make his sacrifice. And she wasn't in the toilets. So frog lake it is. While Debbie was locked away in the boys' restroom, she broke the tiny window and used her flashlight to signal SOS. It's a long shot, but it's better than nothing. When Joe comes to collect her, he is wearing a claw covered in blood and Debbie instantly thinks that Robin is dead. Joe snarls that she should accept her fate as he throws the claw off, knocks her out before carrying her to the frog lake. As Robin and Jeff reach the frog lake, they see Joe throw Debbie to the ground and drag her into the water. Jeff speeds up and tackles the murderous custodian, giving Robin the chance to drag Debbie out of the water. Jeff and Joe are fighting in the water, and Joe tries to run for it after landing a particularly heavy blow to Jeff's stomach. Robin, however, is standing in his way, and all her pent-up rage, hurt, and fear is let rip in a mighty punch to the side of Joe's head. Joe topples backward into the water and vanishes. As Jeff and Robin help each other to shore, they hear sirens approaching. The police had received reports of vandals at the school. They were not expecting to drag the lake for the teen terror. Finally, Robin admits she likes, likes Jeff, and they start kissing again. Debbie apologises to him for thinking he was a psycho Zodiac killer and trying to persuade Robin not to trust him. It's all cool, the friends now. Debbie also points out that they should have known who the killer was. After all, in all the mystery cliches, it's always the butler that did it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> wah, wah. Oh, Joe Butler. Damn you. We should have known. <laughs> oh, my God. Just take a break, everyone. Just take a break. <laughs> For a few seconds. <laughs> Go remember this about promo. your 90s, if you're old enough for that. That's true. Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman. Or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed the Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work. Featuring jokes no one will think are funny, and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog. Or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. I'm so giggling that they're making this into a movie. <laughs> I really hope that there is a forklift murder in the movie. Oh my god, yes. And or a lion claw murder. Because yes. can I just tell you, the weapon choices were my favorite thing. Oh god, yes. 
just absolutely ridiculous. Like, it starts out perfectly, like, reasonable. Oh, Ram, there's a woolly scarf. Perfect. I love it. It's amazing. And then we find a knife that's bullhorns. So we use that. Because everyone... I honestly cannot imagine what that knife actually looks like to make it look like it's being gold. And then the next one, I mean, the murder weapon doesn't really matter in this case because it's the positioning of the body afterward. But when I read, he's got a, he's got like a coil of wire. Like, what is that? What does that represent? But no, don't worry. It's just the fact that he drapes the corpse elegantly over the full length mirror. So there's two. There's of no her. convenient twins, which I kind of like that though. You know, if there was twins somewhere, you'd be like, ah, oh. yeah, dead. Yeah, they're dead. But can I point out that it sets it up that it's going to be Dana and Natalie who are going to be killed because they are both adopted and um, from Korea, uh, uh, Korean uh, adoption houses. Yes. So it sets it up that they stand out as twins in that regard. In the most racist way possible. Oh, well, I mean, that's not the only really 90s racist thing that happens in the book. Gosh, I know. Derek. 1993, people. Derek and his... Friend Alan. Oh. Oh, poor Alan. But Alan, you know, just like immediately is like, nah, dog. <laughs> nah, okay. dog. He shoots him down. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted you talking about the death. You did. You, the, you the, the, the Gemini. You interrupted me at the best part because we just finished Gemini. And the next one is Cancer, which is a crab. And what is the only crab claw weapon that anyone can think of? forklift <laughs> death by forklift is the is my favorite <laughs> like, where did you find forklift what made you decide that a forklift looks exactly like a crab claw and how did poor ryan not notice the forklift at all one single light bulb was out in the alleyway Amanda. <laughs> so dark it was that, pitch that black single everywhere <laughs> stops all light from getting in the, the alleyway behind the burger barn is a black void unless that single yes. magical mystical light is on yes and we don't hear at all the rumbling diesel nope. of the forklift or, the, the, or the, hear the, it being raised and closed and he doesn't duck down or try to get away at all it's not fast do you know like austin powers that's what i was gonna say (laughs) we're just screaming at the steamroller as it comes I knew you'd like the deaths. <laughs> the deaths are so good. 
So oh, the rest of it might be a bit. Mm, I don't know how you're gonna go get with it, but the deaths are going to be. <laughs> Finally, our final death, planned death, our fine, our final murder plan. Uses it. Is it an actual lion claw? Cause where'd you get that? <laughs> I think it's just some really rubbish, like cloth glove. It's like it's a Freddy. A... It's like a Freddy glove. A little bit, yeah. Razor fingers. Like, it's the Cowardly Lion glove glove from the Cowardly Lion costume. I just, and then he's just kind of like poked knife or nails through it. I really just wish it was an actual lion claw. <laughs> he just goes into the museum and cuts off a taxidermy lion foot. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I love it so much. with that one. It was, it was ridiculous. So now that I've described all of the murders in gory detail, I feel like you need to tell us all why this is your childhood favorite. I can't remember why I love this so much. I think it's because, I mean, I remember the Ren Fair bit being bigger in it. I, I just kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for it. I was like, it's going to be huge. It's going to be a huge Ren Fair and there's going to be like all sorts of stuff going on. And then it was just no. like in a church basement for five minutes. <laughs> I can't remember being that pathetic. <laughs> Let's be honest. I remember, I, 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 I remember being more eventful in more than one chapter. But I couldn't tell you what I remember in that. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about this book. I just absolutely, I think it was probably because it was so damn cheesy. Maybe Robin being a Leo as well, I identified with her. Oh, see, no, I was very upset because all of the Scorpio chapters were friggin' Derek. Derek the Scorpio. (laughs) Ugh. God, he's a dick. But you know what? I don't. I, I don't remember. Okay, I'm gonna have to say I don't remember. I just remember I loved this. I loved the cheesiness of it, and it just. I think that's it. It's just a cheesy horror. It's exactly yeah. why this book. Thing it was. was it was the only was reason for this book so club theme to reach this. Because it's so freaking old. There's no way I probably would have been able to shoehorn it in any any other way. But no, I don't know. I just, I loved it. And I think it was probably at a time when... So I didn't start getting glasses till I was about 11, 12, 13 years old. Before then, I used to like to read, but I couldn't read very much because it used to give me very bad headaches. So my mum took me to the optometrist and yes, you need glasses on both long and short sighted, which is also why I lean my head quite often and I watch the TV mostly with my right eye because that's just the way it's just more comfortable. I've always done that. Um, So the summer I got my glasses, the six weeks holidays from school, I read 32 books. I lived at the library. I just, I could read and not have headaches. And from that point on, if my mum was arranging to meet me, she was like, are you going to the library or are you going to the bookshop beforehand? And she knew I would be going somewhere. And I think it's probably 
that nostalgia of it's one of these books that I was able to finally enjoy without getting the horrible headaches. And it was probably from that year when I was just reading everything. And it was but it was one that I purchased rather than loaned from the library. Or there were occasions where I loaned them from the library, loved them that much, I went and bought them. Um so it was always point horrors, point crimes, I loved those ones. Christopher Pike, um Goosebumps, all of those ones. And this is from the Nightmare series. And nobody seems to remember it apart from me. So if any of our listeners did used to read the Nightmare series, please let me know. I need to know somebody else has read these as, as in their YA days. But I think it's, yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably just that nostalgia and that freedom to actually be able to pick up a book and read them without pain. <laughs> Which is nice. That's precious. But yeah. It's been a, it's been many 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 years since I've read this. Now, did you love it as much with this reread <laughs> as you did when you were when you were wee? I did again for the nostalgia factor, but I also found it hugely cringy. Like saying about the Natalie Dana thing, they set up as twins because they're both Korean. Yeah, and it's like, it's not exactly done in a very politically correct sensitive way the way that jeff at one point point points out (laughs) that it's not because and i'm paraphrasing it slightly and i'm not meaning this in any bad sense it is in the book he says something along the lines of um jeff keeps trying to set him up with girls and it's not because he's black but they just have very different tastes and women yes it's very it's it's very important that we have to clarify it's not that because he's black. No. That's like, and because my best friend is black. Like, oh. Yes. Yeah. And Derek has a moment with Alan where he's a racist prick. Yes. But like it was said earlier, Alan turns around. He's like, nah, dog. He shoots Derek down. Mm. He scores the goal. He hits him, slaps him, whatever sports metaphor. Um, And it, it's brilliant it's done yes. very very well but yes. there are those very cringy moments in it i don't know it's just it's just so a beast of the 90s <laughs> it's, <laughs> jeff has his very own printer oh my god he is such a catch it's probably dot matrix as well oh i'm sure it is and i can just imagine his room and it's just like all the most like hugest 90s hacker sort of style yes with the nirvana uh smells like teen spirit cover on poster yeah i love possibly a pamela anderson poster i love that he was a 90s hacker it's so much nobody hacks computers like they did in the 90s no it's just so different now yeah It's just so. And the, do you know what else I loved about? I love the terrible red herrings all the way through. Oh my gosh! Oh, your father's just having terrible migraines, and he has to nap during the day. But don't worry, he went to a doctor. Like, 
So we find his knife and he all of a sudden starts having migraines. Yeah. And they're just random and new migraines that Robin has never experienced him having before. <laughs> Was it Mrs. Tepper? Because she has a manly Oh, that was that was terrible the, too. Miss, she's in the right outfit, and the one light bulb is out, and the she, one light bulb is out. Yeah, she could pass for a man because she's tall and has short hair. She probably has those padded shoulder blade, uh, shoulder pads as well. She probably does. She's wearing a huge blazer. She's wearing yes. a huge blazer with giant shoulder pads. Yes, and the science teacher because he just freaking hates the kids because they're all so dumb. Yes, stop writing about freaking zodiac, Robin, and actually write about genuine science, not spiritualism. You'll get somewhere. The school secretary because she has record access to records. The principal because he hates everybody as well. Yes, it's yes. just the list goes on and on. And Jeff because he has. Printer. Because he has it. Because he has a camera he has 90s as well. Hacker skills. Yes. <sighs> Honestly, and then, but do you know what? Just was ridiculous. Like, oh, it could be this teacher because in the right light and wearing the right clothes, she has a, a manly figure. And Debbie's like, nah, that's a stretch. It's definitely Jeff. It's, it's definitely, definitely Jeff. He he's got nineties hacker skills. Right. And when he was seven, he got a concussion. So obviously, obviously his brain is broken, and he has now developed into being a murderer. Exactly. You know, ten years later, because that's how concussions work. It's what concussions mixed with puberty. Yes. What I loved is that no one ever suspected the custodian. (laughs) The really suspicious custodian. Yes, the really (laughs) suspicious custodian that's always there. First off, which is weird, why is that custodian hanging out with all of the teenage girls and also like oddly coming on to them? It's real oh, that weird. Was so creepy, wasn't it's it? Really, oh, look, there's the pretty girls again. Yep, it's Stop gross. It, Joe. Stop it, Joe. Gross. Fired. Let's just throw him in the furnace that he uses every single day to burn all pertinent paperwork. And this is why we have climate problems now, because back in the 90s, everything was burned. Just burn it all. Just burn it all. <sighs> Do you know what I did like? What? Apart from everything. And you know when you need the first chapter, it's Derek and Jenny, and Jenny's like, no, I'm not going to go to a church service just to appease your mom. I don't agree with it. I don't believe in it. It's not for me. And he's like, oh, no, just do it. Just do it. It'll be, it means so much. And she's like, no, I'm standing by my principles and not doing it. When you sort yourself out, when you stop, when you cut those apron strings and stop listening to your mother, who's ridiculous, I'll come back to you. Until then, jog on, mate. I adore Jenny. Yes. She stands by her principles. That's it. It's sad that she died immediately. And exactly. And freaking Derek gets out and lives. But you know, on the opposite end, and actually, this is, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and add it in as part of my my surprise. I'd forgotten how unlikable and narrow-minded Robin was. Because... 
Robin constantly telling Jeff that astrology is real, it is a science, that we're all made of star stuff, so obviously the stars will influence our lives and futures, etc, etc. But whenever a mum turns round and says, I believe in the tarot, the tarot speaks to me, I found it a more reliable method. She's like, no, it's rubbish. No, I don't even believe in that stuff. Like, no. what's wrong with you? People can have different beliefs. Exactly. I was like, oh my God. Just, it was, it was really aggravating. I was I don't, you're not a nice person. <laughs> Jeff. You're shooting above your belt, missus, if you think you should be with Jeff. If you like, like Jeff. Can I ask, why? Why is Robin's mom such a bad driver? I have no idea. That was such a fun, like, pointless addition. Like, every time they get in the car, Robin is terrified and her mom is constantly swerving in and out of traffic and almost sideswiping people and then yelling at people for almost hitting her when it's when it's clearly her fault. No idea, but it's hilarious. It was great. It's a great background thing that was happening. It was one of those background things I didn't mind. There's a lot of filler text in this book, and considering it's less than 200 pages, that tells you a lot. Um... And so a lot of it was, yeah, okay. Um, but I, I love that about her mom. <laughs> it was so funny. I have questions, though. What? I have many questions. <laughs> Why? Um, does the sheriff lose the next election? He seriously messed up. And Mrs. Chantry says that she'll make sure she he listens to her because it's coming up to an election year. He just zeroes in on Derek, bypassing all signs, evidence to other people, and that's it. So do you think he loses the next election? I hope so. Because they even, like, take him pretty decent evidence, or at least ideas. And he's like, no, no, it's Derek, you don't know. I know, it's Derek. And they're like, but but all of this, and he keeps saying how much he hates the Zodiac. Are you even listening to what anyone is saying? No, it's totally it's him. Sam, I've already arrested him. It's fine, don't worry. <laughs> and then even at the end, when his uh, little deputy guy shows up at the Frog Lake, and they're they're like, yeah, you know, it was Joe Butler... The custodian, he, like, I I punched him in the head and then he disappeared into the water for whatever reason. And so it was totally him. He just tried to kill all of us. And, and the deputy's like, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Because it was Derek. And they're like, it's not Derek. It's totally that guy who literally just tried to murder us and he's disappeared into the lake. Because he can't swim and he got punched in the head by a, a girl. Hit like a girl. Yes. And he immediately drowned. It's like it's like that time we were talking about falling into the swimming pool and taking a big deep breath in and immediately drowning. 
when Bella Cliff dived into the water and just immediately gave up. But he's got a bum leg. He has a Joe has a single bum leg. He can't swim. Yes, because nobody can swim with that arms. Right. Yes. Not possible. It's not humanly possible. You cannot do that, Amanda. You cannot swim um, with your arms. Claire, you don't use your arms when you swim. No. Stop swimming with your arms. It's It's not not possible. No. You're breaking the laws of nature and man. Yes. (laughs) I think I've answered one of my own questions there, actually. Okay, next question. How does a Chandler get so much business? I'm using Chandler in the correct sense. That's a candle maker. Is that? I thought that was a different thing. I thought a chandler was a different type of person. I thought it had something to do with religious artifacts or something. But it's so hard to search that because what is a chandler? The term chandler means ornate, branched light, fitting. No, that's a chandelier. Chandelier. But that's where the chandler, that's where chandler comes from. Now, see, I have I have chandler, a dealer in supplies and equipment for ships and boats. But yeah, here's another one. It is related to chandelier, and a candle maker is also sometimes called a chandler. Maybe that's what chandler did in Friends. No one knows what chandler did in Friends. Exactly. Anywho. Mr. Chantry, the maker of candles, ornate candles, how does he get so much business that he has multiple clients coming in and out of his workshop? I don't know. And, like, how expensive are these candles? He's making an entire, like, life-size candle chess set? Making a chess set. Which, okay. An entire, like, and I, I feel like they were described as, like, large pieces. Well, if they're if they're, they're just like small pieces, like chess set size, they'll be like birthday candles. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. No, neither do I. I don't. You know when you feel like something was written by somebody who has no concept of what that actually entails. Yeah, and they were like, "Okay, well, the mom owns a new age shop. So, what kind of person is she going to marry?" Oh, yes. An elaborate candle maker. <laughs> it's not even as if being a candle maker had any bearing on having the bull horn shaped knife. Because that was costume related. Even the Vlad the Impaler candle, which I can't get my head around either. Yeah, why? Why? Was like. Why was that a candle request? Why does Joe Butler custodian want a Vlad the Impaler candle because it's explained in the book Amanda that he's always had a a, a deep affinity to vampires and he really wanted the Vlad the Impaler as a perfect piece as part of his collection he's loved the Bela Lugosi vampires that kind of like mainstream media He would be part of our vampire book club he would if he be. wasn't a psycho Zodiac. He would be. You're right. <sighs> okay, next question. How did Joe develop the photographs 
it doesn't feel like he has the skills nor the equipment to do so. And you would have to take it to a commercial Yeah, I mean, shop. did you take him My to the... used to work in one. She used to be the, the she used to inspect the photographs. So when you got the little stickers on saying that it was poor quality, that was my mum putting it on. Unless there was a few times she told me that the the lads who developed the pictures wouldn't let her look at some of the pictures because they were of an explicit nature. Maybe save her sensibilities. Maybe there is. I mean, obviously, there's going to be something in the school. Because there is a school newspaper. So there's probably a photography department in the school building. And, you know, creepy Joe Butler, the custodian, is probably, like, standing outside the door, listening in on the lessons. Because, you know, he didn't he didn't have that kind of good life when he was a kid because he got shipped off to Vietnam. He he enlisted. He wanted the scholarship for college. He enlisted to to it. Yeah. So I can just imagine that he's standing outside classroom doors learning. Do you know, the missed real prime opportunity to add in somebody else there, like a teacher or student who was in the photography club. Yeah. Or Jeff could have been in the photography club as well. Yeah, because he had an expensive camera. He had an expensive camera. And this is before digital. It's not as if he could have uploaded the SD card to his computer and printed them off himself. He could have put them on his floppy disk. He could have. He could have put half of one photo onto the floppy disk. (laughs) One quarter. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Do you think they ever submitted their science fair project? No. Mm-mm. Fail. Epic fail. No, I'm pretty sure they failed. My question about that. Why was Jeff... Just why? <laughs> why? Why? Why was Jeff in danger of failing that class? Because the teacher was a douchebag and said if Jeff doesn't help... Robin, then he's just going to fail them. Or it wasn't that he was in danger of failing. He just said he was. The teacher said, Jeff is the only person who is going to pass the class even if he helped Robin and does poorly. Right, but they made mention several times of him possibly failing if they didn't. I would say bad editing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair. Bad editing makes you fail science. Yes. Yes, I believe that's true. That's why I don't feel science. I have a good editor. (laughs) It's true. It's true. (laughs) Who's your favorite character? Are you done? Are you done with your terrible questions? No, one more question, but it does link to my favorite character. Okay, excuse me. I'm sorry. Tepper. Because no man is going to give me no title. Do you think in her rant about Robin's poor grammar and how she's no Hemingway, do you think Mrs. Tepper had dreams of being a great writer, but now she's like a teacher and all of her hopes and dreams were with a mess on the floor and dying? Yes. And she's just a hollow shell. Yes, I think that's true. I think she is a failed author. <laughs> 
which is just randomly just horrible for no reason. To be fair, I think 90% of the characters in this book are horrible for no reason. Yes. But Ms. Tepper actually was probably one of my favourite characters because, like me, she seems 40% sarcasm, 40% cynicism and 20% coffee. So I can relate to that quite quite heavily. (laughs) She says, giggling away. But this is 90s Claire. It's not an accurate 90s Claire because I'm not wearing a hypercolor t-shirt and cycling shorts. I feel like oh, we need to I can't find. We've actually covered this book. So I know. I'm just like, this is so surreal. I feel like we need to find photographs of us from the 90s and share them. Mom. There we go. I've got my people onto it. Yeah, I'm going to have to figure something out. I think I've sent pictures of me in my school days before. Not like shared them widely, but. I feel like we need to share them wild, wildly. We need to share wildly. them wildly, not widely. Wildly. <laughs> wildly. <laughs> Can I tell you who my favorite characters were? Yes. I, I know. I really liked Robin's parents. I mean, apart from one of them being suspiciously murderous, yes. They, they were good parents. There was good communication. And that's one of the things that we love. That's one of the things that we love so much. Yes. Is communication with parents. So. And Jeff's mom as well. I'm going to add her into that. She defended her son. Yes. To the the hilt. Yes. To the point of murdering the bastard. Yeah. Abuser. Yeah. But I hate the fact that they didn't tell her. And now she's just always paranoid that the guy's oh, no, going to come back. The did. She just refuses to believe it. Also, they say that she's like 14. Yeah, she's got the mental age of a 14-year-old. That's really sad. Yeah. But the describer is mental age of a 14-year-old, but like a physical age of somebody much older. Yeah. That was sad. I didn't like yeah. that. No. I like Robin's parents. I like her mother's crazy bad driving and her father's inexplicable random migraines and the fact that he is a chandler and makes some amount of money. I also love the fact that they regularly dress up as well in costume and go to the middle ages yes the middle ages with the serving wenches at the church and the preachers like staring at all of the belly dancers and it's weird and uncomfortable that's my surprise can i just tell you right now that that is my surprise that the church allowed this scandalous society for creative anachronism meeting I don't believe it. I don't buy it. We don't know where this is set in America, though, do we? It could be a more open-minded state. Does, does Sorry, does that exist in, in America? Maybe in the 90s. Maybe in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, I remember there being a lot less, you know, just random hating of everyone in the 90s. Yeah. That seems to be a development within the last eight to ten years, though. Yeah. Moving on. Anyway. 
thank thank I would I would like to say though thank you for reading it. I mean it, it's not the greatest book ever written. It isn't, you know. Oh, but it was so much fun. down barrows. But it's fun and it is a very interesting snapshot of 90s YA horror. Yeah, it was so fun. I really enjoyed it. It was very fun. So now can we play would you rather? Yes. Pew, 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 pew. We asked, would you rather go to a Ren Fair or a Science Fair? And, wow. 92% on Facebook are going to a Ren Fair. On Twitter, it's 100%. And on both Instagram and TikTok, 67% are going to a Ren Fair. Everybody wants to go back in the past. Everyone wants to go to the Middle Ages. Yes. Vincent on Facebook said, I know more about the olden times than I do science and computers. Plus, I've always wanted to go into one in a Star Trek uniform and pretend I'm on an away mission. Constance on Facebook sings to us, Are you going to Scarborough Fair? I'm not going to do any more of that. So Constance is going to a Renaissance Festival. Shocking no one. Katrina on Facebook said, I study medieval history, so Ren Fair for me. Oh, that's fine. But you know what, though? If Katrina goes to this Ren Fair, she's going to be standing there going, that's inaccurate, that's inaccurate, that's inaccurate, that's inaccurate. Oh, actually, no, that's okay. That's I hope that she can differentiate between the two. Oh, she will. She'll be she's able, smart enough to Yeah, she'll be able to yeah. just enjoy it for funsies. They didn't have vanilla cake back in the medieval times. <laughs> they had poo, lots of poo. Lots of poo, all the time. Annie on Facebook is going to the Ren Fair because she loves to dress up. But... Her corset needs to be the self-rescuing princess slash lace up the front slash I don't need a man type. I feel like Annie and uh, Miss Stepper would get along real well. Yes. <laughs> Colin on Facebook said, Now, I love a good science, I do, but I've always wanted to go to a proper Ren Fair. I like all the costumes and jousting and stuff, plus the food and drink looks like it would be awesome. Brie on Facebook spent her weekend listening to bad UK accents while traipsing around in a frilly shirt and flowy skirt, drinking bee stings from pirate bartenders, buying new tabletop accessories and novelty dice, and ordering herself a third brocade corset. Guess. She's clearly science going to the science fair. Weird. Yeah. I didn't realize they did that in science fair. Emily on Facebook said Ren Fair because of this and she put a picture of her pausing and looking extremely kick-ass in Ren gear. It was brilliant. So thank you for sharing that, Emily. YA Book Chat on Instagram shouts Ren Fair! We can hear it from here. We can! Library, do you have some for us? Yes. Yes, and I forbade one person from answering would you rather any more this week because of their response. So I'm going to save that one. Uh, one person said, I've been to Ren Fairs as an adult, but no science fairs. So I suppose that means I like the Ren Fairs more. You get crazier characters at the Ren Fair too. Someone else said Renaissance, strictly because of the clothing. Someone else said Ren Fair, the outfits and all the cool swords. Someone else said, kids, science fair, no. Scientific conference, yes. There's so many cool advancements that are happening right now, specifically in the medical field, and it's cool to see the progress at work. I do love a Ren Fair outfit, though. 
one of the best responses was, I would tarry not at a shudder science fair. Twould be pure torment. Twould. Twould. Twould indeed. Twould too. And then the last response was, it's a fair question. Dang. So what are you doing? I work in science. I'm going to the Ren Fair. (laughs) I want full corseting front list, like Annie says. Going full costume. I want to drink mead. I don't mind mead. It's very sweet. I did get extremely drunk on it once. So, but I don't mind a little bit. I want to go carousing. I, I've gone to jousting tournaments before and they've been fun. So yeah, I'm Renfair all the way. And then I kind of want to have, a, I've had funnel cake and I do enjoy funnel cake, but I want to have a funnel cake at Renfair. Mm, yeah. I feel like I guess I have to pick Renfair too. You don't have to. You can go to the science I mean, fair. But... but I mean, to be fair, I will say I am going to a science conference in a few weeks' time and it's not going to be quote-unquote fun. I mean, it is for work. And it's not like the Stark Expo and Iron Man. Right. It's not like the World's Fairs that have taken place. Right. It's nothing like that. No. It's people with PowerPoints. Yeah. I just think of all the science fairs that I was forced to participate in as a child, which I didn't enjoy. I don't like Mm. having, like, a lot of my school experience was being made to do things. So then I, like, I just disliked them. I had to participate in the science fair because I was in advanced classes. So I had to do it because obviously I would love science. So I had to do those. And, like, we always had to read certain books for English class. And it just made me not like reading for a long time. So I don't love the science fair. I'm very glad we don't have those over here. It's not fun. There's no fun in having to do stuff. If I got to choose to participate, then sure. Now, if it was a sci-fi convention where you can dress up and cosplay and go and meet and greet with sci-fi um authors yes. and yes. actors. I would I would choose yes. I would choose a science convention like that over medieval convention. I would rather be futuristic than Middle Ages. Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next question. Which I don't even know why this is a question. Would you rather have a fancy chess set made of candles or a Vlad the Impaler candle? Why do we even ask? Why do we even ask, Claire? (laughs) How do you want your Vlad the Impaler candle to look? I want it. Do you want Vlad being impaled? Do you want an artistic candle or do you want it in like a glass with a Vlad on the front no it's definitely it's definitely um 
Vlad being impaled and like I, I'm thinking like like a back like we're we're like splayed back and the wick comes from the whatever has been used to impale you know the stake or whatever and when you light it the inside of the wax is red so it just looks yeah. like blood gushing out yes that is what i was thinking yeah that's exactly what i was thinking yeah yeah okay we'll have that yes <laughs> less would you rather more what do you want more describe your perfect candle <laughs> it looks like blood would you uh okay so we're at the red fair okay 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 with the red fair in the church basement <laughs> the pastor is wandering around like a, a wandering uh, friar mm-hmm. okay you've got the lecherous old men looking down your top sure you know that's what they do yes at church things. at church your dad's over there being a blacksmith, mm-hmm. your mother is culturally appropriating some a costume and telling fortunes. Would you rather be a serving wench, a fortune teller of whatever costume you'd like, or a belly dancer? Fortune teller. I want to be a fortune teller. I don't want to be a belly dancer because I feel like belly dancers often have some sort of jingly bells on their outfits and i like that if you got to watch the video i literally just got chills from even thinking about that and i i don't think i would be a very good serving wench i've never been a server like i've never worked in a restaurant i don't have those you know skills where you can just carry stuff on your hand and and I, I mean, if we're being honest, I don't really have the bosom that people would like look down my low top shirt at or my low cut top shirt. So low cut top shirt, I keep saying it over and over and over again, is what is those are called. Is it an open button down It is a shirt. sleeveless white unbuttoned button down shirt. <laughs> can, can you see that shoehorn just... Just, just get, get it in there. there somehow. What are you doing? I'm no wench. I'm management. <laughs> um, I would do fortune teller as well. Just so I can go grace my palm with silver. Excellent. And then make yes. shit up. Yeah, that doing? would also. Are you doing a... Are you doing astrology? Are you doing tarot? Are you doing palm reading? Crystal ball. I would probably I'd like to do the have ball. a. I would probably have a crystal ball. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe um, tessiomancy with the tea leaves. Ooh, reading tea leaves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> We're building our Ren Fair costume. We are. <laughs> It means you get one of those tea, tea, tea and saucer um, satchel things. Yes. To whip out, put the tea yes. leaves in, and do the readings. I have a tea cup holster. Yes. <laughs> I will just bring out a cursed orb from a bag. Yes. And go, oh, you're going to have a bad day. Bad day. Bad day. Bad day. As the killer strikes. <laughs> yes. And then you are immediately murdered. 
Told you. Told you it was going to be a bad day, man. I, Gene Stevenson, <laughs> have the exotic, mystical name. <laughs> Predict bad days. <laughs> bad day for you. Bad day for you. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. This one is almost impossible to answer. <gasps> Would you rather go for tacos or Burger Barn? Okay, right this moment, right now, tacos. I really fancy some tacos. Yeah, right now, for me, Burger Barn. Mm. I want a big burger. And I want to witness the slow, slow forklift murder that is happening in the garbage alley. The pitch black garbage alley. Yes. We'll get takeout and we'll just, you know, sit in the stinky alley, eating our food for the after dinner show. Excellent. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> last would you rather would you rather have robin read your star sign or mrs chantry give you a tarot reading i feel like mrs chantry probably has more knowledge than robin so i'm gonna have her give me a tarot reading i feel like she's probably been doing it for a little bit longer Oh, heck yeah. She's got life experience to draw in for help yes. to formulate our predictions. Yeah. 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 And yeah, Robin's... Robin's too fundamentalist in her astrology. Yeah. And I think that narrowed mindness would infect her predictions. I think you're right. And plus, if she turned around and said, you're going to have a bad day, instant death. Right. Because that's what bad day means. Just... Insta-death. Instant. Yes. (laughs) I'm just thinking of the steamroller again from Austin Powers. No! No! One moment. No! 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 Get out of the way! Move! (laughs) Oh, it's so ridiculous. Alright, favorite final thought quote. Oh, oh, okay. I'm gonna. Do you remember Jenny from the beginning of the book who I much admire for her principles? Yes. Jenny didn't believe in any form of organised religion. She said it was all crock, an attempt to control the minds of the weak. I quite like that. Accurate, Jenny. Accurate. Accurate, Jenny, is accurate. And I feel like this quote is extremely accurate for now, like forever. And Robin needs to freaking listen to it as well. Just because you don't believe in something doesn't mean you should make fun of it. Yes. That is a very good quote. That is a life lesson for sure. 
<laughs> the deputy at the end. What Hades is going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to have to go for Ms. Tepper. Because that bit just sung to me. Do you still have the original copies? Asked Debbie. Why? For posterity? Mrs. Tepper raised her eyes to the skies. So you can one day be compared to Hemingway and called a national treasure? I threw them out once the paper was printed. With a curt nod, she returned to the staff room with her coffee. Perfect. Loved her. Loved her. <laughs> This bit made me laugh, and it's from Joe in talking to Debbie in the boys' uh, restaurant. Why are you being so difficult? He snarled. Accept your fate. Nah, dog. <laughs> nah, dog. <laughs> nah, dog. Nah, dog. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna leave you with this one then. If you fight fate, expect trouble. <gasps> That's if you believe in fate. And I'm going to pass it over to you because otherwise I'll just start reading the book. Okay. This is one of my favorite, like, super ultra 90s things that took place in this entire book. It's spelled boredom with a capital yawn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. So Bardem in a capital yawn. <laughs> and then my favorite is like literally the first three pages of the book. It won't hurt you to try it just once, right? And I'm immediately like, oh my god. Oh my god. Pressure. Pressure. One measly church service. An hour and a half. 45 minutes max. Why don't you just try it? Just try it. I'm pressuring you into it. Just try it. Oh. And then she answers in a variety of languages. Non, nine, yet. And that's my last word. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny, for standing up against organized religion. <laughs> I like this one because it reminds me of an episode a couple of weeks ago. And just the way that I want to say it reminds me of that episode. Okay. Stars influence us because we're stars of ourselves. <laughs> and Amazing. I have two more. Yes. I just hope you're right, Debbie said, because if you're wrong, you may wind up dead wrong. <laughs> and finally, tonight, the message was death. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> okay. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? All vampires all the time. I am going to recommend Vampire's Kiss by Nicholas Adams. And we can only hope this one gets turned into a movie too. <laughs> so it's in the Nightmare series as well. And this is the summary. Susan is thrilled to meet Drew. 
He is tall, handsome, and bright. But when strange things start occurring in Susan's town, she fears that she may have fallen in love with a vampire. No! <gasps> I really like the description of he is tall, handsome, and bright. <laughs> And I'll leave you there. What have you got? Okay. I am suggesting one that I read a few years ago, but it just seemed like to- it was a totally perfect fit. It's called Universal Harvester, and it's by John Darnell. Jeremy works at the Video Hut in Nevada, Iowa in the late 1990s, and he has a problem. Someone is altering the videotapes, inserting poorly lit home video scenes which are odd, sometimes violent, and deeply disquieting. There are recognizable landmarks from just outside of town. As Jeremy investigates, he becomes part of an impossible search for something someone once lost, and would do anything to regain. Ooh. It's set in the 90s. <laughs> At a video so store. 90s. So 90s. That is perfect 90s right there. Yeah. That that summary I got from WorldCat, which is one of my favorite library resources. Um, mm. The summary on Goodreads is like eight and a half pages long. It's almost the entire what? book. <laughs> the book is really short, too. So That's doing our work for us. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Do we, can we, have an appropriate spotlight for this week? What can fit this 90s treasure? Well, I didn't find something that was very, very 90s. Okay. However, I did find something 70s. So I thought it's close enough. This one's called Meet the Moon by Carrie L. Malawista. In 1970, 13-year-old Jody Moran wants pierced ears, a kiss from a boy, and more attention from her mother. It's not fair. Seems like her mother is more worked up about the Apollo 13 astronauts who may not make it back to Earth safely. As it happens, the astronauts are spared a crash landing, but Jody is not. For three days after splashdown, her mother dies in a car accident. Now, Jody will never know if her mother really loved her. Jody's father has taught them to believe in the power of intention, which is also a hashtag tenuous link. Announce what you want to the world to make it happen. But could the power of Jody's jealousy and anger have caused mom's accident? To relieve her guilt and sadness, she devotes herself to mothering her three younger siblings and helping dad, which quickly proves too much for her, just as persuading quirky grandma cupcakes to live with them proves too much for grandma. That's when Jody decides to find someone to marry her father, a new mom who will love her best. Jody reads high and low to learn about love, marriage, and death. Each first bra kiss boyfriend, which makes her miss her mother, teaches her that death doesn't happen just once. Oh. 
I just went for the 70s vibe and also the speaking your intentions to life. Seems like it was a very good fit with the stardust. We're all made of stardust. (laughs) So that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Hex U by PC Cast and Kristen Cast and featuring PC as a guest. Yay! Your favorite PC Cast is back. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.